Verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. And I think the key word here is that we understand that the Lord's talent is something that it should be considered valuable. Somebody say amen to that. Now, the word economy in the Bible is the word dispensation. They, they are synonyms with each other. The word dispensation is used in the Bible in the same context as it pertains to the administration of the affairs of the kingdom of God. And as I brought out, it said, you know, for the kingdom of heaven is as. When Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is as, and then he gives you the story about profit, loss, and all that, he's talking about an economy, a dispensation. But yet it is the kingdom of God. And he said it's comparable here in some ways to our economies. The Apostle Paul wrote out in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, he says, Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, that, or the economy of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. That is, to profit and add increase to the kingdom of God in God's economy. That's the reason we have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ, to add to the kingdom, to make the kingdom, God's economy, to grow in number and in power. Now, I could cover this parable and preach on many different topics, as Joe did here earlier. You see, this parable is about opportunity. It's also about missed opportunity. It's about stewardship of trust, of trusting a person with your money, your valuables. It's about investment. Giving somebody something to invest and return with an expectation of profit. It's about responsibility. It's about faithfulness. It's about accountability and uh, the accounting system. It's about individual achievement and reward, profit and loss. But if I had to uh, summarize this in a few words, then I believe 
it could be, this parable could be summed up by saying it's about investing what God has given you to increase profit for God and joy for yourself. Let me say that again. It's about taking what God has given you and investing it for God's profit and your joy. Because when you do something for God and when you do something to increase the kingdom of God, your reward is joy. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Well done, he says, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You want to get more joy in your life? You want to get more happiness in your life? Then you need to learn how to work and invest in God's economy. Invest the things that God has entrusted to your care and increase them and God will bless you and you will find joy. You will enter into the joy of God. And that's what it's all about. You can only make so much money in this world. Your needs can be... I mean, I heard that this guy that made uh, Facebook has now a hundred or two hundred billion dollars. If the shares goes up one cent, then he might increase billions of dollars. So, amen. But what does that do him? What does that do for him? He can only use so much money. He can buy the biggest house in California. He can drive the most expensive car. He couldn't possibly spend all that money for his needs. There can only be one use for the excess, and that is to bless somebody else. Amen. And many people have been blessed. Those that have been working for him all become millionaires over line. <laughs> they all lined up there. They all become millionaires. And everybody wants to get a part of that action. Everybody wants to invest in Facebook. Of course, a lot of you have been investing a lot of your time in it anyway and ain't got nothing out of it. But that's the way it is. <laughs> You're working in God's economy, not His. <laughs> well done, my good and faithful servant. So in one sense, you might say God is a capitalist. A capitalist is a person who invests capital, that is, things of value, in the hopes of obtaining a profit that is an increase in value of whatever it is he's invested. In our economy, uh, uh, we always uh, have something that goes with investment. With investment and profit, there is always the chance of risk. There is always risk with every investment. Joe has invested much in his business and there has been much at risk. 
That is, risk is what you lose. Investment is what you invest. Profit is what's left over after you take the, the, what was given to you and the loss. The difference between the two is profit. But there's always a chance, Brother Jason, that what we invest in man's economy, we could lose it all. There is always a risk. But if you examine this and take a look at it, you find that, you know, though there may be winners and losers in our economy, in God's economy, there are no losers. It's only winners. Now, there was a man that lost. There was one that lost. But the only reason he lost was because he did not invest what God gave him to invest. What I'm telling you, if you take what God has given you and apply it the way God wants you to do it, you can't lose. You can't lose. There is no risk in serving God. Say, Brother Stenick, couldn't you be killed and persecuted? Yes, but the payoff, <laughs> glory to God, cannot be compared with the losses that a person has in this world. Paul says, I count it all but dung. Do I need to explain what dung is to anybody? Okay, if I, if I need to, we'll take you out in the middle of a cow pasture out here and I'll point it out for you. Maybe some of you have already stepped in it. Who knows? But that's what Paul says, everything he lost in this world compared to the gain in God's economy. Hmm. Yep, there are no losers in God's economy except those who will not invest what God has given them, the capital that God has given them. Now, what he says here, in verse 27, he says, Thou oughtest. I like what the Bible does. It always tells you what you ought to do. And the preacher will tell you what you ought to do too, if you'll listen. Unfortunately, a lot of people, if you try to tell them what they ought to do, they, they think you're meddling in their life. Sometimes you got to tell people where to stand. God had no trouble letting this fellow know that he was a wicked and unfaithful and slothful servant. He lost because he, he was lazy. He would not invest what God had given him. And he did not increase. Nor did he enter into joy. Unless you perhaps call weeping and gnashing of teeth and outer darkness joy. Don't think, I don't even know what gnashing of teeth is. But I know what darkness is. And that's not a place I want to live. The honest, therefore, to have put my money, my capital, my talents, to the exchangers. Now let me bring out a point here. The Bible says that God delivered unto his servants, what? His 
goods. <laughs> so he's given us this stuff. And what he said you ought to do with it is you ought to put my money to the exchangers. Brother Jimmy, he wants to exchange some things. He wants to give you beauty for ashes. He wants to give you joy for sorrow. He wants to give you victory for defeat. He wants to put the, the anointing, the oil of gladness upon your head. Amen. You won't be hanging your head down. You're going to be walking around full of joy. He wants you to enter into his joy. Here's what you ought to have done. You ought to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming... I should have received my own with usury. See what he's saying, even if you had invested it, he's saying, I still am going to get a profit because you don't understand. I reap where I don't sow. Amen. I take what I want to take. It all belongs to God anyway. Church, we can't lose if you invest what God has given you. Now, risk and loss come only, as I said, to those who fail to invest what God has given them. Let me read verse 28 and 30. Take, therefore, the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. Who lost? The man who did not invest. And then, not only did he lose... The prophet for the Lord, he also lost out on the joy. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So to be profitable in God's economy, church, we need to do three things. First of all, we need to understand the value of what God has given you. We need to understand the value of the gifts and calling of God. Second, we need to understand the purpose for which God gives us these gifts. And finally, we need to understand the need to invest because we can't lose. So let's look at these three points First of all, understand the value of the gift. It says, For the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven, is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants. Are you a servant of God today? So he's called you to be a servant. He's called every one of us to be a servant, not just me and Joe and Randy and a few teachers here. He's called us all to be servants and delivered, everybody gets this, delivered unto them his goods. Good God, he's given us his goods. Here's what he says, what are his goods? Let's look at them. I want to see what they really are. He delivered, see, unto us his goods. The unprofitable servant didn't understand the value of what he was given and therefore he missed the opportunity 
to enter into the joy of the Lord. He didn't realize that God was giving him unlimited resources. Unlimited power, and all of this was so that he could achieve the results that God wanted him to do. Unlimited resources, unlimited power. In fact, he says in Luke 12, 32, he says, fear not. See, what was wrong with that, that fellow that didn't invest? He was afraid. He was afraid to invest God's capital for profit. Fear not, little flock. I like what he calls them, a little flock. We're a little flock here. Amen. We're not a big flock. But I want you to know he's given this message to the little flock. The one that only has one talent. The one that has no resources. The one that has, amen, the weak and beggarly of the world. And what he's saying is that you too, though you have nothing, though you are little and small, you too can invest the capital that I give because I have unlimited resources. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, had, had Jesus told that one fella that, had he known the value of what was given him, he would have done what he ought to have done. Now let's look at what actually he did get. He got the riches. He got the kingdom. The kingdom of God was given to him. The riches and treasures of the kingdom of God were at his disposal. First of all, we receive our own salvation when we come before the Lord. The first thing you invest when you come to God is you give God everything you got. Some people will go down and spend all their money in Las Vegas and be totally broke. They'll give, they'll give the, the, the world all they've got. And when the world has taken everything you've got and destroyed you and left you penniless, laying on a street corner somewhere, then you look up and say, God, uh, oh, help me. We're not afraid to invest our life in drugs, alcohol, fast cars and women and materialistic things, but we're afraid to invest our life in Jesus Christ. We receive our salvation. First or Second Corinthians 9, 15 says, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. He calls this an unspeakable gift. It's so great you can't even hardly talk about it. Next, we receive the power of the gospel. The Bible says, you know, these divine truths of the gospel. Paul said it is the power of God unto salvation. You've got the power of God unto salvation in your hands and in your heart and in your Bible. And God has given you that. He's given you your salvation, and he's given you the rest of the world's salvation is in your hands. Think about it, church. The world... And their salvation is in your hands. Talk about superheroes. Amen. The Avengers and Captain America and all these people. We want superheroes. 
We're going after them and all that, and we, we like to watch them. Let me tell you your secret power, church. Uh, amen. Uh, you don't have to step into a phone booth to get it, but you can get it in a prayer closet. Glory to God. And God can change you. You can come out as a superhero. That's your power. It is the power of God unto salvation. And that is unlimited power. Unlimited salvation. He can save to the uttermost. Also, he gives us the gift of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit which accompany it. And it's given in good faith because the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. Good faith. He trusts you that when he gives you the Holy Ghost, you're not going to just get it to enjoy it. You're going to get it because he said, you shall be endued with power from on high. And he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost that we might witness unto the world. He didn't give it to you to keep for yourself or to sell. He gave it to you to give in the gospel of the truth. He also gives us the keys to the kingdom. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom, but so are you. See, the keys to the kingdom, we look at it as, oh, that's the gospel message, but he gives you the keys to the kingdom which will open the doors of heaven to pour out a blessing that you need. That is, in your prayer life, you have the key to open the door of heaven and walk boldly before the Lord for anything. Whatsoever you ask in my name, you receive it but you receive it by faith. Oh, I could go on and on. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.3, he says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things, everybody say all things, that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory. That is, he's given us the ministry who tells you about all the things that you get through the knowledge of Him. We've been given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Are you investing in your pastor? Are you investing in your Sunday school program? Are you investing the time to come to church? Folks, I can just look on Wednesday night and tell that some of you ain't investing in the things that God has given you. You want to be blessed. You want to prosper. But you're afraid to invest your time in something that will benefit you and bless you immeasurably. So we don't have the, the know-how to understand it. As I said, all things. Now I want you to know all these gifts are available now. Everybody say now. When did we get them, Brother Stanley? When did they become eligible? Ephesians 4, 8 says, Wherefore, he said, this is what God says, when he ascended up on high, that's when he rose from the grave and ascended up to heaven. Of course, he went down to hell first, right? Preached to the devil and the captive spirits down there, and he ascended up on high, and the Bible says he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He has put the devil under your feet and he has given you the gifts that you can overcome everything the devil throws at you and you can prosper in his kingdom. 
as long as you're doing it according to the economy of God. And let me not forget the greatest gift of all that God gives us is the souls of men that he sends to us to receive the gospel. You see, you can't return the Holy Ghost to God. You can't return the gospel to him. Everything that he gives you, the anointing, the power, there's only one way you can return it to God, and that is to share that with somebody else and make them become profitable unto God. When you get a hold of what I'm talking about and you change your life because you, the Word of God is working in you, your life changes, God is blessed and receives profit from it, and you receive the joy that accompanies it. So the greatest gift is the souls of them that God sends you. There's where the value is added and the profit is made. People are delivered and become whole in Jesus Christ for His glory and for your joy. This is the reason we have been given all these gifts. I told you what the gifts was. Now let's talk about the reason. We need to understand the purpose of the gifts of God and understand why God gives them to us. We think that it's just because God wants us to be happy. And, well, it is. But you get your joy when you give Him an increase. Do you understand that? It's an economy. You get your joy when you invest what He gives you, bless it, add to it, and return it back to Him. You return it to Him in souls that are changed. Lives that are fulfilled. People that are delivered. That is the purpose. See, the unprofitable servant, he didn't understand that he himself was a resource that God was using. Therefore, he did not try to improve himself. He didn't try to remove his fear and replace it with faith. He just went on and says, hey, I'm going to keep what I got here. I, I ain't going to lose nothing, but I ain't going to gain nothing either. Folks, if you ain't gaining for Jesus, then you're an unprofitable servant. An unprofit is when you don't make more than what you received. The only way you can do that. You ever get unprofitable there, Joe? Sometimes it costs you more than you're getting. That's not profit. Only when you increase... Do you get profit? So the unprofitable servant, he didn't understand the value of what he had been given. He didn't understand the reason God had given it to him so that God could change him and he could go about and invest his life and God's resources in the fulfillment of the gospel. See, Paul explained it pretty clearly. The gifts and calling of God were given to him and to us listen close, to enable him and us to minister the gospel. The word minister, minister comes from administration, which is an economy. We administer the economy of God. 
when we do these things, when we share the gospel. Paul says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed or given to him to my trust. God has given you salvation and the Holy Spirit and preachers and church and all this fellowship and all these things of God, and he trusts that you will take those things and not let it fall on deaf ears, but he trusts that it will change your life so that you can change somebody else's life. He's looking for profit, church. God expects results. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has, what? Everybody say it, enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. He counted him faithful by putting him into the ministry. God counted the man faithful by giving him that one talent. God trusted him. God knew that he had something that could produce without fail, but the man refused to invest it. Amen. Enable me for that. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Amen. Now, the gifts are given according to God's ability, not ours. See, I used to think God just gave, gave you whatever you was able to handle. No, let's read it. Verse, uh, 25 verse 15. And unto one gave he five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability. Now that's not talking about our ability. It's talking about God's ability. <laughs> and he's able. Everybody say he's able. he's able. God is able. With men things are impossible, but with God he is able. And he gives according to his ability. Let me explain that. In Gill's commentary, he says, this is the sense, is not that he gave the gifts according to uh, our different abilities, the abilities of men, but rather according to the power and authority which he as the mediator had to dispense these gifts. So basically the sum sense here is that God gave us these gifts according as he thought, not that we were able, but he knew that what he gave us was sufficient to do what he wanted us. My grace is sufficient. God has given you the talent, the resources to make you profitable, which you will receive joy if you invest it. This is the message I want you to understand. Uh, this is similar. This thing here is similar to uh, a place in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But all these, that's the, the gifts of the Spirit, worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. God don't give, a lot of folks think that they get the gifts of the Spirit and they say, well, I've got the gift of prophecy. I've got the gift of uh, healing. I've got the gift of this. You ain't got anything that God hasn't given you. 
And, and, and what you've got don't make you better than anybody that don't have them. God's given you what you need to do the job that He gave you to do. Amen. If Joe sent a man up on a roof uh, to nail on a roof and didn't give him a hammer to do the job with, you might think he's a pretty poor boss. How would you like it if you sent them on up there and didn't give them nothing? Put that roof on. What roof? Where's the metal at? Where's the tools at? Well, I don't have what I need to do the job. All they can do is sit there and say, I don't have it. But he has given us exactly what we need to get the job done. I want you to know the man that had one talent, God gave him sufficient resources to double what God had given him. Just like the man with five doubled it and the man with ten doubled it. Or the man with two doubled it and the man with five. God gives us the ability. He enables us to accomplish the job according to his ability. In fact, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit, that is the gifts of the Spirit, is given to what? Every man to what? The reason God gives you these things is to profit with them, to add to. Hmm. For example, the ministry, the purpose of the ministry is what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, to enable you to have the information you need. See, God's given you the truth. He's given you the gospel. He's given you the spirit in abundance. And the, the real question is not what God's given us. We all want a Holy Ghost rolling time. We want to jump up and down. But the reason God gives you all of this is so you can go out there and share it with the world. Not so you can say, oh, we had a good time in church. He gives it to you for a reason. Let me get close to the end here. Now, you got to What? Understand the value of what God's given you. You've got to, what? Understand the reason he gives it to you. And then you've got to invest it. This man didn't understand any of this stuff. He didn't understand uh, the value, the reason, and he certainly didn't give it to you. But once you understand the value and the reason, then there's no reason why you shouldn't invest. So this is an investment opportunity I'm giving you today, church. The greatest truth of the parable is that we cannot fail seeing that God has enabled us and helped us. I can do all things through Christ which enables me. And how do we do it? We invest what God has given us. Y'all knew I'd come here eventually. Conclusion. We can't lose, church. If you understand the value of the gift and you understand the reason God gave it to you, then you will want to make the investment. God's not going to run out of money. He's not going to run out of power. He's not going to run out of grace. See? and you understand the reason that you have unlimited resources and unlimited power, we can't fail. Hmm. 
Does that mean that everybody I witness to, I'm going to win to Jesus? No, it doesn't. Because they must make their investment too. What you're doing is giving them the opportunity to invest their life into the economy of God rather than the economy of man. And man's economy is collapsing. We see it every day. Just like the people in Greece, they look to their government and the government says it's all out. We're going to have to start cutting back. And everybody says, not me. Uh-uh, I was promised this retirement. I was promised this Social Security check. I was promised this. It's all right. Sorry about that, but we ain't got no more. You're cut off. Folks, the wise man, he built his house upon solid ground. Everything in this world is sinking sand. It's all going to fall. The kingdoms of this world are become, going to become the kingdoms of God. And if you haven't made an investment in your future, you are going to be in a lot of trouble. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Make the investment. Let me tell you about a fellow by the name of Gak Philippia. Philippia. See, he fled from war-torn Yugoslavia back in 1992. If some of you have been listening to news lately, you've probably heard about him. He left Yugoslavia in 1992. It was totally ransacked by war. He became a refugee and made his way to New York City. He left the miserable life that he lived before and came to the land of opportunity. Are you following me? Now, he was given an opportunity when he got here to work as a janitor for Columbia University. Some people said, I ain't going to work as no janitor. No. Say, he got one talent given to him. Didn't get ten like some rich people is born with a silver spoon in their mouth. He got one little opportunity. He could have worked at any job as a janitor. He could have found there are dime a dozen janitor jobs. Probably in New York City, they probably a lot of trash up there. But there was something different about this job offer as a janitor that was different than the others. Columbia University, with their position as a janitor, they also were willing to give him free tuition. Free tuition to go to school at Columbia University. Now, this is one of your prestigious universities. People that graduate from Columbia and Harvard and Yale are the ones that become the great leaders of our world. They become rich people. So he had an opportunity to improve himself. Now some people would have just worked as a janitor and been content with bringing in a meager paycheck for the rest of their life. But this guy, Philippi, he, he, he says, well, I want this job because I have an opportunity not only to make it 
and get out of the rut that I was in, but I've got an opportunity to profit, to grow. So what did he do? Well, first of all, he had to overcome a big obstacle. Poor fellow couldn't speak a word of English. No, he had to overcome that. He had to first learn English, and it took him a year to do that. And then he went to taking courses. After 12 years, he graduated with a bachelor's degree in classics. Now, that's probably classic novels, books. A bachelor's degree. And he graduated with honors. Story over. He has taken a life that was in a refugee status with nothing, escaped the condition that he was in, and he has raised himself to be in the land of opportunity and study in one of the best schools. And he didn't stop there. He graduated with honors. That fellow makes me feel lazy. I had people, the military was paying for my education and all that. I feel totally lazy and slothful. Thou wicked and slothful servant, you should have taken what I gave you and invested it. See, we don't invest what God gives us. Can you walk? Can you stand? Can you do? You've got things that a lot of people don't have. Opportunities. Twelve years, though, he struggled for it. You know what he's still doing? He just graduated this last weekend. You know what he's doing probably now? Sweeping a floor somewhere. He's a graduate <laughs> of Columbia University, but he's sweeping a floor, picking up spills, carrying garbage out, because he's continuing to invest in the opportunity that was given him. And he's going to make, his goal is to be, to get a master's degree and possibly a doctor's degree. Let me tell you, you graduate from Print, or, uh, Columbia University with a doctor's degree. Hey, one day, dear saints of God, he's going to enter into the joy. <laughs> But you have taken advantage of a greater opportunity by putting your trust and giving, investing your entire life in the economy of God. Church, you cannot fail. Anybody afraid you might fail? The only way you can fail is to not invest the life that God gave you. Folks, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is his. And what people don't want to give to him will one day be his. He has the power to reap where he didn't sow. But he sowed in your life. So church, I want to tell you what we have is an opportunity to grow and increase the kingdom of God in this church. God has put you as a member in this church. Not to come here and sit on pews, 
and just get out what you need for your weekly thing. He wants you to prosper even as your soul prospers. That's why John says, I, I wish above all things, dearly beloved, above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. The world wants you to turn it around. They want you to prosper in the world and then you can be in good health. Uh -uh. You get the best part first. Let's all stand to our feet.